Welcome everybody to the Business Geeks podcast where we geek business. I'm Super Joe Pardo and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. This week we are discussing creating an incredible customer experience. Uh, we also are going to be talking about a burger joint, for, I guess franchise, a pretty big chain uh, that returned $10 million of like, you know, small business loan money that was supposed to go to small businesses instead of not so small businesses. And we have a one cool thing that is, it uh, looks like it's a book that Sam will be sharing with us later. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Jennifer Crawford, of one of the co-founders of Sparent.co. Jennifer, is how are you feeling tonight? I am feeling pretty good, Joe. I am getting ready to launch my first virtual summit Woo! with uh, yeah, with one of our fans, Mary Sue from Work Smarter Digital. It's called the Small Business Grit Summit, and I've been working on it for two days straight. But I've gotten so much accomplished, and I'm so excited about it. And I'm learning some new things, which is always great. So yeah, I'm super duper. Thanks. Super duper. I love that. Yeah. And uh, joining us, Samantha Riley of SamanthaRiley.Global. How are you feeling tonight, Sam? I'm so good. It's not tonight. It's daytime here. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> beautiful day here. I've already had a busy morning. Um, like Jen, super busy getting ready to run a, a masterclass online later in the week on how to launch your online course in 30 days or less. So super busy getting that done, but feeling good about it. Well, I mean, not to be left out. I, I have a live conference event thing going on this weekend as well. So well, tell us about it, Joe. It's not a yeah. contest. We want That's you to be included. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, oh you know, but tell us all about it. Uh, so it's called social media promotion for podcasting and it's totally free. Uh, we have over 20 speakers, uh, social media experts and podcasting experts to to help you through the whole day event from 9 a.m. Eastern till 5 p.m. Eastern uh, on this sat this upcoming Saturday. So, yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. Like I'm, I'm really, really looking forward. There's quite a few speakers I'm looking forward to hearing. And uh, they're always a lot of fun. Uh, I got it down to basically like a science. I've, I've whittled down all of the uh, the things that I do into a big old checklist, and I'm pumped. Awesome. We wow. should put all of the links in the comments for all th three of those events. I can't. I don't have special special typing abilities from this end. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, so my, I my think that all three of those events sound fantastic. So uh, what's, the, uh, what's the links on the other ones? I've already sent oh, it through oh, to you. Oh, awesome. Oh, I put it in the in the I put it in the wrong chat. How about that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is it? Amateur hour over here? Really? I just I am so tired. Oh, uh, I love your I love you, you Jen. I just love that you say what the rest of us are thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Always it really is. hashtag no filter. Where's Lou? We need some Yeah, hashtags. exactly. Lou, where <laughs> yeah. are you? <laughs> Someone needs to tag Lou. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, so we're let's let's get started. Let's talk about the customer experience in this, especially in this new world of craziness of social distancing. Have either of you been to a store like lately since now? Yep. Just getting mm. groceries. I mean, do they have the face shields down there, uh, uh -huh. Sam? Uh huh. Yeah. However, can I just say that I saw last night that there's five 
countries in the world that have flattened the curve and Australia is one of them. Wow. Congratulations. We have flattened the curve. We're still not allowed out, which I understand, but it's all good down here. I'm so proud of Australia. I'm proud of Australia too. (laughs) Yes, I can ring the bell for that. I have have bell power. Excellent. (laughs) Ringing the bell for Australia flattening the curve. So good. Wait a minute. We have a bell? We have a bell now. How many weeks did it take for me to get a bell? Uh, too many. 12. <laughs> yes, <right>. 12. <laughs> 12 weeks. We have a cash register now and a record oh. and a okay. trombone. That did not sound like a record. That sounded like flatulence. What? <laughs> no, that, it was like, it, like. No, that sounded no. like flatulence. Oh, stop. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there we go. Put on dish. Now we can curse too. Oh, that's not appropriate right now. No. Moving moving right along. <laughs> now when Jennifer beats me up for laughing about something inappropriate. <laughs> oh, Joe, Joe, step away from the sound effects, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. If I if I if I have to. You have to. Okay. I I'll put on my, my mum pants. <laughs> we know it's addictive. <laughs> <laughs> today's topic today's topic can we focus yes, yeah yeah so, uh, yeah so creating a great customer experience yeah uh, so we, we wanted to talk the three categories that we put together was onboarding servicing and motivating your customer base so mm. who would like to take their first their first chop at it well, I just want to say, I don't, I don't have to be first, but I'll jump in only because I wanted to say a little bit about why I thought this topic was important, because there's always a focus on getting more business, more business, more clients, more customers, sales funnels, and all of that is really important. But sometimes what gets lost is our current customer and mm. how, we're, how we're honoring them and treating them. And, you know, it... Customer acquisition costs are no joke. I mean, it's so much more cost effective to actually mean, uh, keep and retain your customers and potentially sell them more services uh, to satisfy or solve problems that they're having. So part of that, of keeping them and retaining them and selling them more things is uh, making sure that their experience along the, the way with your company, that customer journey is really successful and also is consistent with your brand and um, your company's, you know, core values. So anyway, that, that's why I really like this this topic because I think, I don't know if you guys remember, this is going to age me a little bit, but probably back in the, maybe the early or mid to late 90s, there was a long distance carrier war going on between like MCI and Sprint. And they all wanted to get your long distance business. And I was I was in my early 20s during the, the, the peak of this. And I was literally getting money from like, if you canceled with like MCI, Sprint would give you $50. And if you canceled with Sprint the next week, MCI might give you $100. And um, there was a third player in there. I don't know. AT&T or somebody. But it was, you know, this is kind of irrelevant these days because nobody's worried about long distance uh, costs for the most part right now. But as a current, if you were a current loyal customer of any of those players, 
you were not getting any of these, you know, $50 mm. checks or $100 checks. So they sort of took their current customers for granted in the in the grab for market share. So anyway, that's a very almost mm. a vintage reference to, <laughs> to um, a bad customer journey. But anyway, that's that's why I, I thought it was important. And um, Sam or Joe, you can you can take the beginning of of the discussion from here. Well, it's still relevant, right? Like, Get, you know, buy one Android phone, get three free because free phones, right? Like it's still a relevant thing that they're doing uh, in the in the landline space. I mean, it's not so relevant, even in like Comcast cable versus, you know, because they all have like plot. They they got smart and they just plotted out their like their little monopolies across the country, which is bad for everybody. But I think that if we're, it's still a relevant thing that the customer base that you're, that you, you know, it's like, I've been a customer for 20 years. Like, and what did I get? Nothing. Yeah. I believe you to get money and then come back and go through all that hassle to make like a hundred bucks, like hooray, or get two phones for free that aren't even very, you know, good or high end models. So well, it, it totally is still relevant because this just happened to me uh, maybe about six months ago when we could still travel. So I just come back from being over at IndiePodCon with with Super Joe himself, and my I've been with my carrier for thirty years. I had a mobile phone when they were almost bricks. Like I was one of the first persons, uh, one of the first people with them, and I'd been with the same carrier the whole time. No, we were over there for Indie Podcon. And do you know how many gig of data I had with my with my phone plan? Three gig. Three gig. Uh, it's twenty it was 2019. I had three gig of data. So I came home and I went to them and I went into the store and I said, Hey, look, you know, what can we do? And they quoted me this enormous amount of money to get more data. I still couldn't make any phone calls overseas, and a lot of my clients are overseas. So I took two steps down to the next shop and just went, can we swap this over? And after 30 years, changed over to a different carrier. So I think it is very relevant because I felt as someone that had been um, loyal to that company for all that time, I felt very ignored. Yeah. I, well, I, and, I and am they, appalled. You know, it's a numbers game for them, right? You're just a number and that's yeah, it. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't... but guess what? We that's not the way that we want to be with our customers and clients, right? No. We, no, so we and, and that that's why we're opening it up that we don't want our clients and customers to feel like numbers. That all of our clients and customers and prospects and audience are all real people, and we don't. I, I think that we're not in the B two B space anymore. We need to think about being in the P two P space. We're doing business people to people, and people have real feelings and real fears and real wants and real aspirations, and that we need to listen to them and adjust accordingly. I totally agree, and you know, obviously, we're talking about small businesses in particular, but it's really a bad move for large companies as well. It's very short-sighted. In our business purchases these days, we're very discerning customers. We not only look at the customer experience, we do look at company values. We look at what the companies are investing in, um, their political views. So, you know, it, it's... It applies to small business tremendously, but it, you know, the big businesses should shouldn't ignore it either. Mm. So yeah, but I like I like that uh, what you said there, Sam, about it's P to P business. That's mm -hmm. that's wisdom right there, people. Write it down. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> so part of the onboarding process, right? 
one of the best experiences that I've had at a store was um, the was it the Ani and uh, Alex and Ani or whatever it is the the jar the char- like the charm store right because like I walked in and they were like okay who is it for and what are you trying to say and I was like well it's my wife and it's Mother's Day and they're like okay here's three cho-. like they went up and came back here's three choices would you like a bracelet to go with that <laughs> or would you like you know you want the necklace to go with that too <laughs> and I was like oh you made this super easy and then bam like. 60 bucks just flew out of my pocket like in i don't know two minutes it was that's it was awesome crazy. that right there is like getting it down to like just here's the options get me in get me out and i'm now i mean i gave you more money than i was wanting to spend and i'm okay with that like it's hmm. the end of, like it's over i love that because how many times have you been to a store like say it's a I, okay i was in a store recently it was like a bath and body product store and it was really modern and cool and crazy supposed to be all natural like everything was super colorful the displays were amazing but it was product overload like it was really hard like going in it was almost like sensory and product overload to sort of get a sense of the store, what products were what, how it was organized. I mean, it was very visually inviting. But then once you're in there, you're like, where do I go? What do I, I don't even know what I need. (laughs) And there were tons of people working in the store, but none of the, nobody approached me or any of the other customers in there. And so I'm just kind of wandering about. I, I bought a couple of things, but I know I would have been just like Joe if somebody had come over and been like, oh, your skin, it looks so, it would look even better with this lotion on it. Um, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, how much is it? I will buy it. I don't care. Um, you know, I, I would, I mean, really, it would be like, take my money. And, you know, just if you need a guide. You almost need a little bit of a guide to help with that customer experience. And yes, it's a, it's a sales approach. But at the same time, you feel like you're you're taken care of and you get in and out in a really efficient way. So, you know, time is, you know, more valuable than money, really. So I certainly appreciate when somebody comes up to me and was like, it just helps me. So, mm. yeah, I, I get that. That was a good example, Joe. It's a really great example of what uh, a retail or an in-person sort of event can look like. But what about when we have a service-based business or when we're signing people up to some sort of membership, you know, some sort of continuity program? Because I think one of the biggest things that we all know is when you're selling services, the biggest thing is buyer's remorse because people aren't actually holding something. They don't have that, you know, something coming over the counter, the gift bag, the whole thing. A lot of times it's done on the phone and then all of a sudden it's like, Uh, So for me, the onboarding experience is how we're going to make sure that that customer feels valued and so that they're not afraid to move forward, rather they're excited to move forward. Uh, And there's a great, um, Joey Coleman is actually an expert in this. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but he's got a book Actually, I can't remember what the book's called, but he talks about the first 100 days of how to onboard a client and the journey over the first 100 days. So I know you can get three free chapters to his book at joeycoleman.com forward slash book. It's no opt-in. I'm not an affiliate, nothing like that. You can just go to that. You can just download the three chapters. But he walks you through, I think it's the eight steps to onboarding a client and it's really, really good. Um but I think one for me, one of the first things that I'm really, um, I get nervous if I sign up for something because I put my credit card in and buy a lot of courses, programs, workshops. I do it a lot. I did it three times last week. And the only time I have buyer's remorse is if I put my credit card number in 
and there's no thank you page and there's no email. That's when I panic. And that's when I jump into my bank account and go, "Uh uh-oh, what's happened? Has the money come out? What's going on? So I would think the very first thing is to make sure that your email automations are set up so that when someone purchases, they get a tax invoice and they get a welcome email saying, welcome to the program, congratulations, you know, well done on backing yourself and this is what's going to happen and show your new client what the next steps are going to be so that they, they, they feel safe, they feel like I know what's happening and they don't have that panic and have buyer's remorse. Totally know about that buyer's remorse, uh, putting you know, putting it out there like that. There is a way now, though, to get uh, randomized credit card numbers. There's a ser- I'm trying to search up the service. But basically, like you can generate a credit card n- number just for that purchase. So like that money, you know, it's prote- the rest of the card is protected. Basically, I can find it. I will definitely bring it up. But yeah, so there's uh, I th- actually this this might be at privacy.com where you can create up to for zero dollars a month. You can create up to 12 cards per month oh. and then ten dollars a month you get. Uh, let me share that real quick here. Is it totally legit, Joe? Like I've never heard. Of uh, it. I think this is the one that was. It, it was sponsored. It was sponsored. Um, uh, there was like a ad on. I think Linus Tech Tips did an ad or two, but I don't remember if this is the specific one. But there are services like this because it it just makes sense. Like that you should totally be creating a, a credit. Like, I don't understand why our, why we have credit cards now that don't generate, like we have RSA card key, mm. code, key tabs for like credit, like all kinds of things. Why not have that for, for credit cards, like generate one and bam, like you're good to go. It makes, totally. makes sense. Yes. Totally makes sense. But yeah. So, so there's things like that, that do exist. I'll see if I can find the Linus tech tips one that was, cause they, I mean, they're pretty reputable. So, uh, mm. I don't know. I'm the privacy.com. I would do some research, but that that's basically the service that um, I'm referring to. That's a great service. Although I do have to say, even if I used that service and I didn't get the email and I had no, yeah. what was, didn't know what was going on, I'm still going to have that buyer's remorse. It's just something that can be set up so quickly and easily that, you know, it's definitely, definitely worthwhile doing. Uh, And the other thing that I do, and I'll just say this before I let you guys let us know what you do with your clients, but with my, um, not with my lower end kind of clients, but with my high end clients, I always box up a gift and send them a gift just um, without them knowing so now anyone that knows that they're going to get I mean, in the mail, no. <laughs> it's not a surprise anymore. But, that you know, they get I get a box and I put chocolates in it and, you know, I usually I buy them something that's specific to them. I do a little bit of Facebook stalking and, and you know, I've bought clients' books before, um, you know, in their onboarding call. I listen to the challenges and I buy books that are specific to their challenges. So I try and get the gifts as, um, as personalised as possible. But I love to do that and it makes the client feel super you know special and heard which is exactly how they should feel because you know I think that just not sending everyone exactly the same gift is 
you know, something special that you can do for your clients. I, I like it too, because it's, it's analog, right? It's like, we're all as business owners, we've got all of our automations in place and we've automated, um, or we're in the process of automating as much as possible. But personally, I don't like to automate everything. I like, I don't know. I, I have to have something where we're actually really, you know, tangibly connecting with the client. It's not an automated, you know, email sequence. It's, it's us connecting with them. So that's a perfect example of just an, uh, you know, a real experience that you're giving the client. There's no way to automate that. It's something that that comes from the heart, uh, that's consistent with with your values and the value you want them to get out of their experience with your company. So yeah, I I think the word of caution would be don't automate everything. I mean, keep mm. about keep about thirty percent there for non-automation. It's it's not efficient. It's going to take time. But I think if you're playing the long game, as I think you should in business, um, the dividends are going to pay off. Um, you know, for you. Hundred mm. yeah, percent. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many little little things too, like uh, the box of donuts. You know, when you like, if you're in a physical sense of going somewhere uh, to see somebody, or the uh, the bread, the the morning breakfast sandwich. I don't know if you've either of you have bought a breakfast sandwich for a client that happened to be in the same. Well, you don't have Wawa in Sam, <laughs> in Sam World in in Australia, but but yeah, something to that effect. Like uh, those like little things. But I, I, you know, the touch point, Jennifer, of you know, setting up. I was like, you know, thinking like, even if you got to the point where like you had so many clients, if you just set up like an hour a week, right, where you had like. You set up 10 minute calls or 15 minute calls just to like check in with these new clients. Like how mm -hmm. powerful would that be? Especially if they if their perception of you is like, holy crap, you got like a thousand clients and like you're taking the time to like spend 10, 15 minutes with me. Like how cool is that? Like, well, I'm not even saying <laughs> that's that would be very cool. I'm not even saying if I, you know, the thousand clients that I'm going to be one doing that, but I will make sure that I have a customer service, like our customer success manager in place. I will have somebody that's making a personal uh, contact with the clients because at some point, how you cooler would it be if it was you, right? Be, I mean, obviously, but... one hour a week, and you're like, okay, even if you got to the point where you're onboarding so many people that you'd have to randomize how many of those people you could do that with, right? Like, okay, we have. 20 names i can only do five this week only five of those 20 are going to get this week and then next week there might you know those names will get pushed the next week and then hopefully at some point i will get through all of them it just might take me a while but how much more powerful will the customer feel like hey i met jennifer like i i didn't get to go speak to her in person because like we don't live in the same country or the same part of the world like we don't live near each other but yeah i ha i got that that focus like how cool would it be if like john whatever his name in lad legend or whatever i don't know if you guys are t you all you're, or you're not are you t-mobile jennifer no well okay well john is a pretty public figure at t-mobile because he's the ceo right how cool would it be to have a 10 minute conversation with him because you were random randomly picked to to get just randomly get 10 minutes on the phone with them mm. for being a customer yeah, like how, I, how, how much further would that go to have somebody hear your complaints and actually want to do something about it yes no i actually do call my clients but i'm with jen as soon as it gets to 50 a week i don't want to make like have them ring them in three months time so i think that having them receive a call from the office is still completely fine yeah because you, you still have to balance between personalized service 
and setting up personal boundaries for yourself. Like I know that for me personally, last week I started to get very run down because I hadn't put boundaries up around how often I was speaking to people and helping them with their problems because I'd very openly said, we're all going through tough times, contact me. And I realized, oh, Sam's getting a little burnt out here. And I really did have to back off a little bit. So I think that you do need to balance uh, your personal boundaries and being able to show up in, in, in a certain way in your business and, you know, having someone someone from your team calling the customers. Yeah. it's I always think of not just boundaries, but and it's all you know very personal to what you're you're trying to accomplish with your business. But if you're trying to scale a company and then position a company maybe someday to be purchased or to be sold or transitioned over to another owner in one shape or form, maybe it's even a family member, you can't be so, um, unless mm-hmm. you're building a personal brand, which I'm not, I'm building a company, I don't feel like I need to be personally associated with that company at a certain point. In fact, it's it's beneficial if I step back and let the mm-hmm. company stand on its own by having really great people in place to carry on um, that customer journey um, the way I'd like it to be presented um, and consistent with the company values. But I mean, this is all like, you know, very sort of long-term thinking, but yes. yeah, yeah, Joe, like if, you know, if, you know, CEO of any, co- you know, big company happened to just randomly like, you know, Russian roulette, you know, connect with um, a customer, particularly one that's having an issue. Yeah. That would have a really big impact. It would probably get some press as well. Mm, 100%. Yes. So do we want to talk about servicing? Because that was Absolutely. The we want to yes. talk about everything. Yes. <laughs> everything. Servicing, yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I would say like, you know, making sure that you have the pieces in place to be able to respond in a, in a timely manner uh, if it's a service-based business. Because like, it, you know, it's one of those things like we have 24-hour service. Like, yeah, when when it is, <laughs> like it's not, you know, it's not all the time and it's not, then it's not 24-7, right? Uh, so it's, I would say taking the steps to make sure that you're putting the pieces in place so that you can get things done. Or as Brent said, all, all, all the things. <laughs> exactly. All the things. Well, here's the challenge, you know, in, in today's business is that we have more touch points and communication points than ever, right? So mm. if you're not all the places, if you're not checking your Facebook page messenger and your Twitter messages or your or your Twitter mentions, if you're not on all the channels where people are, are chatting about your business, you can let a lot of complaints and you know company intel slide through the cracks. So I think that's a real challenge, particularly as small businesses grow, you know, to really be there when your customers are and be where your customers are talking about you and they could be talking about you in so many places you know multiple online review sites multiple Mm. social media platforms every social media platform has a messaging platform that's in addition to your email your phone calls maybe text messages and chat i mean this is a herculean effort to stay on top of your customer service so the better you know, prepared you are when you're tiny, teeny tiny business so that you can grow into a stellar, you know, company that, that is on top of their customer service, the better, but it's, it's not cheap to do that. It's expensive to stay on top of things, but, um, what's more expensive is losing control of your company's reputation. 
Mm. I think um, following on from that, that there's only one thing or the biggest thing I wrote down around this is systems because if you don't have systems, it's very easy to not see things or, you know, not have a consistent service. So I think that what people love about, you know, if they are loyal to a company, it's usually because that company is consistent and that's all around systems. And obviously when we first start our business, the systems aren't in place they need to be created as you go. But I think making sure that you put time aside to make sure that you've got your systems. So I'll give you a quick example. We were talking about onboarding before, Jen, and, and you were saying, you know, the sending the parcels cannot be automated. We actually have a trigger in our Entreport account that goes into our Trello account when we do have a new client that automatically generates a checklist. So even though some of it's not automated, we still know exactly what needs to be done and the correct team member will have that email fired off. You need to do such and such. You need to ring this person or so-and-so needs to generate the, you know, the sticker for the parcel or whatever it is. So that, you know, that's the system to make sure that we're giving consistent customer service. System. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, checklists are, are great. I was, was watching a video because this is the, the business geeks. I was watching a video talking about the quarantining process of, of the Apollo 11 mission. And like they mentioned that that like asked, I guess, Buzz Aldrin is like, what did you What did you think? Like, what were you thinking when you were up there? Right? And he's like, well, we weren't thinking we were just checking the boxes that's all we had to do was check ah. the boxes we don't think we just check that's you do go right down the checklist go on to the next checklist and and so that's i think it goes a long way of saying like hey a checklist can get us all the way to the moon checklist can help your business not only grow but continue to survive in this climate mm, that's awesome yeah that, right? that, that's the stuff that i love hearing i about love it. i super love it and super nerdy love it checklist pocket protector put it on the list <laughs> <laughs> um, all right has anybody had an experience with enterprise rent-a-car no i've never even no, heard I, of I, them dollar. I'm so flabbergasted, if I could use the word. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted at, you, Sam, you talk about consistency. This is a business that gives their customers a con consistency, but it's consistently bad. <laughs> so, well, they're a client so of mine. So hold on. <laughs> I don't care, Joe. This is fair. This is Fair Games podcast. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> if you ever have the misfortune of needing to rent a car, from Enterprise Rent-A-Car, expect to wait in a long line. And a long oh. line can be two people because a long <laughs> line means it takes a long time to get through it. It's They're consistently understaffed. Nobody is happy to be there. There's no music when you walk in. So you literally walk into this little box of a store. No, bit, There's no music, but the phones are ringing off the hook. And guess oh. what? Nobody is answering them because oh. they're so overwhelmed trying to get the cars. I get a vehicle upgrade every time I go because they're so... They're just so disorganized. They never have the car that you reserve. 100% of the time I get a vehicle upgrade. It is bad. There's always somebody in there that doesn't have a credit card. God forbid you don't have a credit card and you try to rent a car from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They want two like utility bills. They want three references. 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 Yeah, because we carry those when we're traveling. And by the way, oh. you could just write anything down. They're not checking them. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, you know, and we all carry two utility bills, you know, in our pocket yeah. to prove we live where we say we live. I mean, there has got to be a better way. It would be a better experience. You just have to do two things. Put some music on so it's not a death chamber when you walk in. You, you know, put some smiles on your face. Add one more person to every single enterprise location for every single shift and have at least, well, and answer the phone. You know how disconcerting it is just to hear the phone ringing and like it never stops ringing. It just rings like constantly. And then like, there'll be a one little pause. And then that person who just called, calls back again and lets it <laughs> ring. Oh my God. It, and I'm only talking about it because it has been so consistently, this has been the experience every single time. One time I went in, there was one guy working a, a huge line, and he had to be on a conference call for the company. Oh. The conference call was on speaker, and he was in the conference call and juggling the, the customers and trying to get the cars and getting the keys and signing the paperwork and dealing with people with no credit cards. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Gosh. Wow. Enterprise rent a car. It, the thing is, it, they don't need to do a lot to improve the, the experience tremendously. Well, enterprise rent a car should reach out. Jennifer Crawford will sort you out, get some systems in place. I'm just dying over here in the enterprise rent a car. <laughs> dying. It's a dying. I, they, they are one of our clients. Their clients, but we do with the truck, the truck side. And yeah. I gotta say, every time I call, when I call, I I hit three, and 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 somebody picks up within seconds usually. Uh, okay. But I'm not calling for. I'm calling to like check in, like the, when's the next truck coming in, or, or something like that. Effect. A totally so, different side of the business. Yeah, right? totally different side. Absolutely yeah. different. Side. I'm sure there's some special number code that we can push <laughs> to get through, but nobody knows it. <laughs> Hand over the code, Super Joe Pardo. <laughs> here's, here's the better question. Why do you continue to deal with it? Well, first of all, I've stopped. There's just plenty of op op other uh, opportunities. To I know. It's a valid question, Joe. The reason I put up with it so many times is each time I thought it can't, it can't happen again. Like it, there's no way it could be this bad over and over again. Okay. I'm a slow learner. Also, I have an enterprise rent a car like within walking distance of my house, which makes it makes it just by default, extremely convenient. Um, but that's it. But there aren't that many. There's Hertz which I don't have a Hertz near me. There's uh, Enterprise. There's There used to be Rent-A-Wreck. I don't think they're around anymore. <laughs> no. no, thank you. I have a reputation to uphold. I can't be in a, <laughs> can't be in a beater car. Um, I don't know. I think that's that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Rent-A-Wreck still exists. Does it? Well, no yeah. way. No way. Not, not, not in Jen's head. Not, not in Jennifer's head. I'm not doing that. I have to at least be in a Toyota Camry or something. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This is the, the picture of St. Mar Martin or Martine. Weird picture to have on your website. That is strange. I mean, I'm sure that's how planes land because I know that ha that happens like in a few places, but it's just a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, it it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I'm a wreck enough. I don't need to be also drive a wreck. Especially <laughs> <laughs> when I'm paying to drive it. Um, but anyway, I just, you know, I, I just am so shocked whenever I have an experience with any company that is that bad, that is still around, that is ha that has longevity and a legacy of any kind. I'm like, how do you stay in business? Because Jen keeps going. <laughs> I haven't rented a car from them in a very long time. I think that's a really great story, though, because 
it to be able to hear those kinds of things from the other side of the counter is super helpful because we're all caught in our business and we don't see these things you know just because i'm talking about all of these systems doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes because they happen you know our business is run by real people <laughs> and, and we do have bad days and we do make mistakes. So I think it's really awesome to hear these stories to actually go, I wonder if that's happening in my business. I wonder if I should be looking at that. I wonder if I should be, you know, I wonder if people are having that experience at my business. So I think it's really great that you shared that, Jen, because, you know, as business owners, we can't read the label from inside the jar. So sometimes we do need to hear those things to shine a light on some, you know, areas that we have forgotten about because we're not dealing with them. Yeah, that's so true. And I think this is where like surveys, check-in calls come in really handy to get like just direct real-time feedback from your customers. And I've come across business owners in the past that really don't want to do this because they're, and the, and the reason is always the same. I'm afraid of what they're going to say. And I think that's, you know, just a really bad reason not to do it. Even if they say something bad, like you said, Sam, it's, you want to know because otherwise, how can you fix it if you don't, mm. if you don't have the, the information? I know we did, uh, and Joe, you probably do this too, do surveys after your, your events. Joe and I both produce podcasting conferences and that information we get back from the surveys is so helpful, like in terms of like what people are getting out of it, what they value, how we can make it better. Does it hurt a little bit sometimes when they say something negative? Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, it's, you know, it's the, it, that's the feedback I want. I want to know what didn't work well, because as much as I'd like to be omnipotent and be every place at all the time, I try, but it's impossible at a conference to be hmm. every room and every, you know, piece of the programming. So you're going to miss some things. And so I have to have that that survey, those surveys to, um, to get that intelligence. So it's the same thing for your business. You need to get your, your customers feedback. They need to have a, some way where they can give you honest feedback and, and feel free to do that. Mm, yeah. Uh, so we have a, we have a comment. It's in, it's in my, uh, watch party on, on Facebook from Eric Patrick Thomas. I was hanging out with him the other night, uh, virtually, uh, we, we hung out for like three hours to chatting and catching up. Uh, he says, uh, yes, I've had a few experiences with enterprise and others. They have no, uh, Eric is paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, they have no wheelchair accessible vehicles to rent. Uh, they do have one, it says one third party wheelchair rental company uh, that is not affiliated with them that they will tell you about. One time I was at the airport and one of the uh, rental companies, I was at the airport, one of the rental companies, a person there that works there told me, uh, thought I could put my power wheelchair in the trunk of the vehicle. How can it be 2020 and rental company, one of car companies do not have wheelchair accessible rentals available? I am disgusted. I don't know how they got around the ADA guidelines. I feel like uh, to be ADA compliant, that these rental car companies have to have a certain percentage of vehicles that think, right? are accessible. Mm. This is something I feel really strongly about. For a business not to have accessibility in 2020 is absolutely mm. unacceptable. Yeah, definitely. So that 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 really stinks. 
Let's see. My response from Enterprise was, hello, Mr. Thomas. Thanks for contacting us about your upcoming rental needs in Los Angeles. Enterprise does not offer vehicles with wheelchair lifts or wheelchair uh, access. We are happy to recommend a couple of great companies who specialize in offering wheelchair accessibility. And he just, he copied and pasted that from the email. (laughs) Mm. Honestly, I don't think it's good enough. I mean, they have a a huge fleet of vehicles. I mean, you can't, you can't get, you know, a, a certain percentage of your vehicles equipped for those needs. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, before we run, we run up against the time here, we have one less, one last <laughs> piece, which is motivating your customer base uh, for, for as part of the customer, creating a, a incredible incre- customer experience. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Joe. Man. We got you. Thank you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so for my business, which is a business that has a membership, it's really important to keep your clients motivated because otherwise they can drop off. So things like, you know, live events, which we can't do right now, virtual events, right? Um, Facebook groups where they're, where you're asking them to check in at different times. We've got different check-ins, whether it's a phone call, like you were talking about before, Joe, you know, maybe every three months there's a phone call or some sort of um, sequence or, um, you know, some sort of Google sheet that they need to put their details in, but some sort of check-in at different times throughout their journey to keep them engaged is a really great way to keep your clients staying on board with you. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of motivating, I I always, like the biggest win I could potentially get in my business is when a client refers me to somebody mm-hmm. else and then that person signs up. To me, that's that's as good as gold in any business because that's going to be when somebody who already uses your your services, your company refers somebody that, you know, a friend, they're much more likely to to come on board as a client if they sign up for a discovery call. They're like the warmest lead you could ever get. So, I mean, that's that's one of the the reasons to make sure that you take care of your current clients because they can be the biggest advocates your biggest marketing arm. If they are thrilled with your services, they know they know people, and um, hopefully they'll refer, they will be so motivated by the experience they had that they will refer other people to your company. So when I think of motivation, I think of like, what can I do to motivate our our clients? What can we do to make sure their experience is so positive that they are eager? to provide that referral. So do you have a system around asking for referrals, Jen? How do you actually get your clients to refer you? They just love me. No, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's funny that you asked about a system because we've been, we haven't completed it. We've been working on it for a while, which include incentives for providing a testimonial or an online review. We feature their business on our social media when we do get a a testimonial or review to make sure to really showcase their company on our platforms. So since we are a small business servicing other small businesses, that's not a wasted effort because a lot of times um, these services and products are needed by like a similar, you know, ecosystem clientele. So, so yeah, I'm, you know, have we completely automated it and perfected it? No, but, but, but we are definitely working on it. It's something that's really important to us. Mm, nice. Mm. Thank you. When is it too much on our part 
to create a great experience, an incredible experience, right? Or when is the customer at that point taking advantage of us or our, you know, good nature to give, can continue to give? I think that's all around boundaries and setting clear expectations. When there isn't clear expectations in place, that's when it gets blurry as to how much someone can take. And in saying that, all of us will push to the boundary that we can get. Same as, you know, a toddler will push and push until they get that hard no. So, you know, as as the people in control of our business, that's up to us to go, these are the clear expectations. This is my promises to what I'm going to provide to you. These is what I need you to promise that you're going to um, adhere to or the guidelines and make sure that you set those boundaries. Very good that you brought this up, Joe, because I can't. Yeah, yeah, you get a bell because um, when I was researching this topic a little bit, I came across a 2010 Harvard Business Review article entitled Stop trying to delight your customers. And I mm. thought, oh, this goes in the face of our topic. And anyway, they um, they did a study and they had some interesting findings, which I think are good to bring up to balance out this discussion a bit. So I'm just, just read a quote from the article. This is um, a result of the studies. We buy from a company because it delivers quality products, great value, or a compelling brand. Okay, that's why we buy. But we leave a company more often than not because it fails to deliver on customer service. When it comes to customer service, companies create loyal customers primarily not by delighting them, but by helping them solve their problems quickly and easily. Because as you mentioned, Sam, having clear expectations we see a lot of companies like with, with customer service departments, and they'll have an edict that reads something like exceed expectations. You know, in other words, we want our customer service to exceed expectations. But because that is so vague, employees that are um, tasked with exceeding expectations don't really know what that means. Mm. And so they might be busy writing thank you notes or giving free something or a, a you know, a refund, they might be doing those things, but they're not actually solving the problem quickly and easily, and also not heading off future problems. So I think, Joe, your question is is extremely relevant because I think mm. there does need to be a balance. Like, don't be so caught up with, you know, being nice to your customer that you leave the problems in the dust. Like, mm. Because really, they just want their problem solved. If they had a bad experience, you need to like fix it really quickly, not necessarily send a bouquet of flowers saying you're sorry. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's not going to fix it, right? That's not going to fix it. And ultimately, that's not going to make them loyal. That Those flowers aren't going to make them loyal. What makes them loyal is having effective customer service. So. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. Awesome. You know, it's from Harvard, so I kind of trust it. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, it's like oh well, you know, and 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 the flowers would just be like an exclamation point on a bad experience, right? So it's like right. they left my you know my driver high and dry. The truck broke down, and then they didn't even bring another truck. They just sent flowers to chocolate to the to the shop to make up for it. And it's like meanwhile, my driver's stuck literally on the side of the road with no truck to you know no rental truck to to replace it with. <laughs> And you're compl- mm. and you're continually reminded of it with the flowers on the front yeah, desk. Exactly. Right? <laughs> 
has stories to tell for forever. So yeah, <laughs> every exactly. time I smell those flowers. that i think that's that's great i think you know i always say look you you can bend the rules you can break the rules but there's got to be rules right or policy or there's got to be something there's got to be a goal set and that goes with the same with saying like hey this is what the expectations of what we expect your experience to be and if it's not there then you know we're gonna do everything we can to make uh, make it to that point and then go beyond it and we're gonna do everything we can to go beyond what we've set so at least you're coming in being like okay well i expect the food to not taste like poop okay great well it doesn't and it tastes better than that and and we set the goal at it doesn't taste like poop it would be something different than that it would be you know more more in depth but that's the basics of it set set a goal and then exceed that goal but don't allow yourself to get so extend like uh, strung out to the point where it just no longer makes financial sense. Uh, mm-hmm. But also keep in mind the long game, right? Giving somebody an extra $50 right now back on their on their credit could keep them happy for another six months to keep giving you more and more money rather than saying, nope, I'm I'm, I'm done. $50 is, is too much. And I'm walking away from thousands of dollars a month in business because of $50. Like don't do me a Hatfield and McCoy kind of thing, right? Like don't draw a line in the sand too too quick. You know, I wanted to bring up another customer experience that I think speaks volumes. So I don't know if you guys remember, I don't know how long ago this was, probably a few years ago, Starbucks started putting our names on the cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a thing, right, when it happened, um, because they were getting names wrong. And then people would like, you know, they actually got some social media, you know, attention out of it because people would post their wrong name on their cup. And and that was sort of the silly and fun side of things. But I have a Starbucks, you know, really close to my house that I that I go to or went to pre-pandemic on a, on a regular basis. And what I saw happening, and these things just fascinate me, what I saw happening with that Starbucks when we started putting the names on the cups is all of a sudden Starbucks knew your name. Like, so now I was greeted. They they not only knew my name, but they memorized my drink. And other people knew each other's names because the name was being said. And now, you know, a few years later, my Starbucks, although it's a corporate chain, it feels like, you know, ch- the cheers of coffee. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I see my neighbors in there. Like we greet each other. We know each other. It's like you see the same people. The staff has been really consistent. It feels like a neighborhood place and it's got so much heart and so much character and people greet you and say hi when you come in. It's like, it's really just stripped away that corporate veneer. And it all started with putting the names on the cups. It was a change in the customer experience. Like it got in and what it did is it made, it personalized the customer experience in this high volume coffee shop. So I thought it was brilliant. I don't even know if they knew how brilliant it was when they when they did it. But to this day, I really, really am glad they did. Mm, that's awesome. But sometimes it's just a tweak. It's mm-hmm. a tweak. So- it didn't. It didn't cost them anything to do that. Mm. Mm. No, I, yeah, definitely. Eric says uh, we had a customer that needed printing. He runs a, a print shop, t-shirt and 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 uh, apparel shop. 
uh, up in uh, Flint, Michigan. We had a customer that needed printing and we were backordered. So I contacted another printing company, asked them if they were able to print today. They said yes. I contacted our customer and gave them the number and told them who to speak to and they will take care of you so uh, we can get you taken care of today. We did not make any money off the sale, uh, but we kept the customer so far. It's been seven years. There was a problem. We found the solution. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. That's small business heroics right there. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Well done, Eric. Yes, absolutely. And and thanks Uh, for sharing. Yeah, thank thank you for sharing. I, I wish I wish we could see those comments from the watch party because we we've had quite a few people jumping in and out of the watch party all this whole this whole hour. So with our just four minutes left, do we want to move on to uh, to our story and our one cool thing? Yeah, yeah, yes. I think right. we need to do an update though. I believe from a couple of oh, weeks that's ago. Right. Yes, I for oh I forgot to mention that in the in the in the intro here. Yes, so Jennifer, uh, you tasked yourself with taking LinkedIn more seriously after Samantha's call to action in episode, I don't know, two weeks ago. <laughs> episode two episode weeks ago. 10, maybe. Yeah. So we'll, link, we'll link it in the show notes. So yes. two weeks ago, it was discovered that I'm a LinkedIn snob and I was <laughs> not replying to LinkedIn messages because I thought they were salesy. Sam changed my mind. She thought, every, you know, we don't do that when we network in person. We say hi, no matter what. So I was like, let's do this. I'm going to do this. She's right. So I did start replying to all of the LinkedIn messages. And I had some nice messages back where we just sort of exchanged what each of us do, promises to keep each other in mind. It was not an unpleasant experience whatsoever. Um, And I think, actually, Sam, you're right. I feel like we sort of took it out of a sales conversation and more into like, hey, who are you as a person? And you seem cool. Like maybe I will think of you. Maybe I won't. But whatever. We had a, you know, a brief exchange. I I was hoping to have more of a report, but it seems like I've jinxed myself because my LinkedIn messages have like kind of dwindled the past like couple of weeks. I haven't had as many. So I don't know what that's about. But um, if you link, if you message me on LinkedIn, I will respond because I'm still in my like respond to everything mode. Well, I can I can vouch for that because as it turns out, we only discovered last week, Jennifer, that we were not connected. <laughs> and you, so and you did reply to me. I did. I replied to everybody. Progress, progress, progress. Oh, you know, progress, not perfection. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so the story uh, I wanted to, to bring up this week, which I thought was pretty cool, caught my eye, is that Shake Shack is returning $10 million of government loan meant for small businesses. Uh, for us here in America, The uh, there was a $2 trillion stimulus package, and part of that was giving out money to uh, small businesses, and somehow Shake Shack ended up being one of them, which is it, Shake Shack is a publicly traded company tra- trading around the $45 range per share so definitely not very small business if you ask me and they felt that they should give the money i don't know somehow they ended up with the money and they felt they should give the money back which i think was uh the right move to do and and really i mean hey they got a lot of good press out of it so uh while i don't care for their burgers personally i might try to give them another shot and see if i if i like them again i don't know what to think about this. I mean, obviously this was the right thing to do, but this also seemed to me to be timed after Ruth's Chris, who I think got 20 million, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, um, got some really bad press. 
um, for take for getting getting that money um, where it should it was supposed to be slated for small businesses. Nobody can argue that Ruth's Chris Steakhouse um, is not a small business. So the Shake Shack returning the ten million to me hit the news wire after after the backlash to, to Ruth's Chris. And I think there was another food chain that also got, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So I don't know, like, was this completely altruistic? Was this, were they really doing the right thing or were they heading off bad publicity? I hate to be a cynic, but the timing makes me very um, suspect. But the, the end result is they did the right thing. Ultimately, this was our a failure in our government more than a failure in our businesses. I mean, if somebody offers you 20 million, you're probably going to take it. And, and there was some sort of loophole in the PPP funding that allowed these larger restaurants or businesses to apply for the, for the relief. So I don't know, Joe, man, I, I want it to be a, a warm and fuzzy story, but my guess is it's not as warm and fuzzy as it seems. Probably on the not. And will that money even be recirculated at this point? Or will it go back into the pockets of some other, you know, way to stash it? I mean, I don't even I don't even know where all this money is coming from. Are we just like printing faster and faster? I mean, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Like, where is yeah. all this money coming from? It's three yeah. it's <laughs> it's beyond my economic um knowledge for sure, but it just seems like we've got a bottomless bucket of money that is, you know, being used on these relief efforts and that's great. I mean, we need relief efforts. I mean, the, the pandemic has some serious ramifications for businesses, but I just don't understand it. I just don't understand where it's all coming from, where it's all going, how we're monitoring it, where the checks and balances are, how come so many small businesses are not getting the money they need to survive. It's so frustrating to watch all of this happen or not happen, as the case may be. It's like $300 billion uh, just go, like disappeared. That's what I feel like. I feel like, like it, just, it evaporated, it just, and then like, nobody got checks except, but somehow Shake got Shack and Ruth Chris was got. But can I? Well, let me just jump in here then, because does it really matter how it all happened? I'm I'm going to take the complete opposite side. I know nothing about what's what's happening there with your relief efforts. So let me just say that up front. But if it's happened like it has in Australia, everything was announced so quickly that there wasn't any frameworks or people didn't really know what was happening. So if you were a business and you thought that you were eligible for some money, why would you not put in an application? So I the way I read it is if I was Shake Shack, I also would have put in that application because clearly they've got a lot of employees if there's any relief efforts then why you know and they're eligible then why would you say no and then you know they have handed it back so regardless of whether it was after you know that other company or not in the end of the day it doesn't really matter because it's gone back into the pool so that small businesses who are eligible you know will hopefully get a little bit of relief so I think that regardless I see it as a good thing yeah I mean I'm less mad at the business than I am with the with oh the yeah, with the policy, yeah, with yeah. the with the relief policies, for sure. But anyway, thanks, Shake Shack. I've never I've never been to a Shake Shack, so I have no idea. Like, yeah. I, I assume they have shakes in a shack <laughs> and in a shack. <laughs> That's all I know. I've never, I've never even heard of Shake Shack. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. now we now we have heard of it. So I have a weight go. problem. I can't go to Shake Shack. I'm <laughs> constantly dieting. I just can't even go in there. If I look at it, I'm going to gain five pounds. <laughs> So, all right, real quick, uh, Sam, you have a one cool thing, right? A book? I, 
I do. I do have a book. And the reason I've decided to share this book today is because I think that there's a lot of people that are starting to maybe rethink people that we're in jobs that maybe don't have jobs and starting to rethink careers. I know that there's a lot of young people around that I've spoken to just recently that are completely rethinking their career. There might be some people in business that are thinking that they want to go down a different route. And I know earlier, Jen, you said that, you know, you don't want to create a personal brand, but I personally believe that for a lot of people, it's a really smart thing to do to build your brand and build your audience before you decide what business you want to start or to go down a different route. So there's a book called From Indian Individual to Empire, a guide to building an authentic and powerful brand by Laura Bull. And I really recommend if it's something that you want to do to read that book because it is absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. It sounds like a good book. It is a very good book. You've actually read it. I do. I read lots of books. I'm a I'm a geek. <laughs> I'm a business geek. Okay, quick question. Do you read business books cover to cover? Uh-huh. Or do you select your chapters? Uh, it depends on the book. Some of them yeah. chapter to ch- uh, some of them just chapter to chapter. Some of them cover to cover. Depends on what the book is. Dep- good, depends good how bored I get. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or how much they hook me in. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Why, why are you a big reader, Jennifer? Um, I have a lot of business books that I have not read, but I feel smart having them. <laughs> and I have other business books that I've read or I don't really read business books cover to cover like I do a fiction book. I'm such a voracious reader. Um, I read about two, sometimes three novels a week. I'm a, I read all the time. But when it comes to business oh. books um, that are not plot driven, <laughs> um, I tend to to skim and, and pick try to pick out the information that is that is mm. relevant. I don't necessarily mm. read it cover to cover. There've been a couple of exceptions, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, that's why I asked because I have a hard time reading them. Oh, here's, through. here's my tip then, because I would read a book cover to cover if it's got lots of stories. So you were talking about fiction or, yeah, or having not. a narrative. So yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, like, um, Pat Flynn's Superfans book, he's shared so many stories in it that I read it cover to cover because of the stories. So there mm-hmm. you go. Maybe it's all about the stories. It's all about the stories. It always it's all is. about the stories. <laughs> Great way to finish. I just want stories. Before we go, I just want to complain that this episode did not have nearly as many hashtags as we are accustomed to. Lou, uh, I don't yeah. know where you are, but you let us down this week. I hope you're okay, by the way. Just in case I say that, he's not, you know. Um, I'm sure he's just, you know, got other plans. But I've gotten quite kind of spoiled with Lou's hashtags. Yeah, hashtag we miss you, Lou. Yes, yes. We miss Lou. Uh, hopefully Lou is is doing well and uh, and hopefully he can join us next week. Uh, next Monday, to be precise, 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, that, wait, 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 the Joe. show's at 10 p.m. I thought I am, it was 8 p.m. It's 8 p.m. Oh, I'm sorry. 8 p. Uh, did I say t- uh, 10 a.m.? Yes. Did I say t- oh, said 8 p.m. You said 10 p.m. I said 8 p.m. And then I no. went on. No, the you did not. <laughs> no. No, Go to the tape. I did, oh man! All right. So month next Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, over at Facebook.com/slash Business Geeks Podcast. Uh, you can send us your questions. Uh, we're we're constantly looking for new topics to to talk about. Uh, send it over to questions at uh, businessgeekspodcast.com. 
And uh, we will. I'm looking forward to to next week's episode, which we got to figure out what that's going to be now. And, and we'll get. I that have an out. idea. Yay! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Give Jen the bell. Jen gets the bell. <laughs> I noticed that Joe got really stingy with the bell. Yeah, I, I, I was told to stop with the sound effects because apparently it just is too much. Or... When it comes to the bell, Joe, anytime Sam and I say something, that's pretty awesome. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. You can't, you can't ring the bell on yourself. That's the only rule. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, <laughs> awesome to hang out with you guys here today. Yeah, it was. It's been awesome. Thanks, guys. Yes, thank you, everybody. We will see you next week.